Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled, I am Peter and I'm going to be talking about Big Little Lies Season 1 Episode 3, it's called Living the Dream. So full spoilers for the episode as always of course. Um, this episode was very interesting to me, uh, mainly the, the Celeste and Perish stuff uh, really stuck out to me in this one. Obviously I spoke a lot about them last episode but their, their stuff in this episode is that they have another altercation um he grabs her by the neck early on he gets mad at her for not telling him about the uh, the disney on ice that he he's mad that he can't go he's mad that it was never discussed with him so he gets mad and grabs her neck and she does get angry this time it's a little bit different from last time where she does get angry uh and says she'll leave him uh, she has like a you know she, she, she i don't know if i'd quite call it defending herself but she she does kind of uh, react to it in a way this time and then we have a very kind of like typical scene that comes after this where he comes over with this new, you know, very expensive necklace and she's just getting out of the shower, he puts it on her and it gets kind of sexual again. The idea being, even though it wasn't instant like last time, that again, the fight turned into sex by the end of it. Um, and that's very much where he was going with it. That's, that's how he kind of tried to, to wrap up in a bow. But they did say last episode they were going to therapy and I think that's where this gets really interesting this episode is where they go to the therapy and they sit down and this is one of the best scenes of this show so far and it really surprised me not that i was surprised it was good because the show has been very high quality in terms of its direction in terms of its performances uh, both of which are really on top form here but the big thing here for me was the, you know, they sit down and Perry you know, is, is talking to the therapist, the therapist is asking questions, she's kind of poking at things, hoping that they'll open up and give her some answers. And Perry, like, they start talking about fighting a lot, and when she asks Perry, you know, what, why why that is, he he starts talking about how he's worried that his, his wife will leave him for someone, that, you know, if, if, if she got mad at him and left, there'd be men lining up around the corner for him. And during this part of the scene, like, I was really into Nicole Kevin's performance. Not that he was doing bad himself, but it was, there was this look at her face of disgust where she clearly thought this was complete bullshit, that this was all made up, that this was the made up story for therapy. And it was working really well in that, that, that's that, in that context for me. And I really thought it was, what it was building up to was Nicole Kidman, uh, you know, Celeste, kind of finally saying no it's not just emotional verbal uh, fighting it's physical he does physically lash out and i was actually really shocked when he did that first i was shocked that when he kind of went down the path uh, of eventually owning up and admitting that he does lash out and that he does hit her it, it it took me by surprise i did not see that coming and the cynical part of me honestly thinks that he's still almost He's playing a very smart game, almost. It's like, I think he realised in the scene that if he didn't admit to it in some level, if he didn't actually acknowledge that that part of the, the, the relationship exists, that it would just lead to... Like, to me, this is still him, in a way, trying to control the situation, as bizarre as that sounds. Because as much as he's being honest, I think a lot of his reasons beforehand were bullshit. Uh, they felt kind of made up for therapy, like I said, but... Him admitting to it, like having some truth in there along with everything else, and then Celeste kind of admitting that she also sometimes lashes out back. Uh, again, trying to take some of the blame so it's not just on him, which is bullshit again. Like, like, like he lashes out, he gets angry constantly, 
and she's in fear. It was, it was kind of like how last episode I said that she almost just gave consent before the sex scene just so that she wouldn't have to admit afterwards that it was sexual assault. I think in this therapy scene again we see almost the same thing where she tries to give herself some of the blame to make it look more even between them because admitting that she's in an abusive relationship primarily as the victim is something that I don't think she can admit to herself and so like the, the performances during this scene were fantastic and uh, I liked the direction because it, it made a point of sticking on this one two shot like it was cutting back and forth with the therapist it wasn't like a, a one or per se but every time it cut back to the couple on the couch, it was the same two shot for a long, long, long time. And that's why I'm saying, like, during when he's admitting, or he, he's given this bullshit story about fe- fearing losing her, the entire time you can see Nicole Kidman's reaction. And it doesn't cut to close-ups to her. It doesn't, like, do this thing where it really wants to, like, emphasize it and go into it. It just sits there in a nice, you know, it's handheld, it's a little bit shaky, but it's just a very natural two shot. And it just lets you soak in the performance and see both of them throughout almost the entire scene. And it's very effective. I really like that. And, you know, it, 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 the scene just really stuck out to me on, on a number of levels. And, like, I was shocked that he admitted anything. I was shocked at the reactions. And, uh, sadly, and his admission kind of works where Celeste's demeanor changes a little bit from this is bullshit, like, I'm, I'm almost ready to, like, have an outburst and fight back to... I'm going to go along with his story, back him up, take some of the blame, and make it feel more mutual. And maybe this is, you know, maybe it's not just about herself, maybe it's about trying to save the marriage for the kids, maybe it's about a lot of things, but the scene was really effective in that, and I've been enjoying kind of like digesting their characters, and their final scene in the episode, um, you know, he comes in and asks, like, you know, how are you feeling, and she's both sad and happy, she's sad because she's worried her husband doubts her love, but she's happy because for the first time she's hopeful, and he plays some music and says, well, you dance with me and, and the dance. And that's kind of their final part of the episode. I, again, like, I, I, feel, I feel uneasy about this final scene um, because I don't trust them. I, I don't trust that this is this is over or that he he won't just slide into snapping, that he won't just become angry again at the, the first sign of trouble. I genuinely think it, it feels less like, like someone trying to patch up their marriage and atone for what they've done and more like someone just trying to control the, the narrative just enough, you know, to, to accept some of the truth and the blame just enough so it looks like he's trying, but without the real kind of dedication to it. Like, as much as he's clearly very ashamed to admit what he's doing in the therapy scene, he never kind of flat out, like, gets to the, the idea that he's ashamed of it or that, or, you know, he, he's just kind of awkward about it. And you can very much read it as, okay, he's awkward because he's ashamed, or he's awkward because, like, he knows he has to play it safe, because he knows he has to sort of do it this way. Um, I, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a fascinating relationship between the two of them. Um, it's, it's, it's toxic and, like, doomed, but uh, I'm, I'm fascinated. Like, I, I will be shocked if... I'll be shocked if they're still together and trying to be a couple at the end of this season. I will be. And obviously people know that, like, because season one aired a long time ago now. Uh, don't spoil it, but <laughs> I'll be shocked if they're still... Like, whether or not he ends up being the murdered one or the killer, and whether or not uh, Celeste just has enough and, like, leaves him, I don't know which is going to happen. But, so like, I, I, the thought of them getting into season two still trying to be, like, pretend that this is working... Uh, does not feel like it's it's happening to me, but 
you know, we'll see. Maybe I'm completely wrong. It's entirely possible. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Um, from there, let's go to Jane. Uh, I talked you know, a little bit about her last time. Not a lot, because she didn't have as much last time, but we did get some big scenes with her in this episode. Uh, her and Ziggy, and the, the conception of Ziggy, uh, specifically. I was actually a little surprised, again, that this came so early on the, in the show. I was expecting this to be maybe drawn out for a little bit longer, but... Uh, you know, things are going well with Ziggy, he does well at T-Ball, she's all happy, uh, she, she, you know, she goes on the dancing and ice, everyone seems to be having a good time. Uh, she does get a little bit frustrated because she loses the, the hippo, which Ziggy has uh, for the night. It's a, it's a, this thing's been with the school for 10 years as we hear, and you know, she's worried that Ziggy will get blamed for it. Uh, which I thought, if I have a complaint about the episode, I thought it was odd not to actually get like a scene of some kind of a reaction. The only thing we get is one of the interview snippets of someone saying that hippo had been with the school for 10 years. You know, all judgmental, but it felt weird not to get a scene of having to tell the teacher or just a simple shot, not even like a full scene, just like like an instant, an instant reaction to it, I guess, to see if like, like she was, like Jane was expecting, does this feel like he's getting blamed for it again? Um, but it all kind of boils up because uh, after T-Ball, he, he used to finish his family tree project. Because we, we see Chloe working hers at one point with, with Madeline. And she's panicking. She thought it was like another week. and But it's tomorrow. She's freaking out. She calls Madeline. Madeline comes over the board and all, all, the, all the arts and crafts stuff they need. And everybody do a family tree. And... It's funny, actually, I, I thought, like, they were going to sell it as she was putting it off because she didn't want to get into who Ziggy's father was. And maybe there's still an extent of that. But, but more so that she has just generally forgotten it. Because uh, she doesn't seem that worried when she's actually starting to do it. It's not until Ziggy really starts asking questions and wants to put the father on the tree. And all the kids will have them there. Like, he's going to be the, the only one without a father. And she's like, no, every, everyone's family tree is different. You know, like, you don't have to. Uh, and he gets really upset and he, he yells at her and says, you know, what's his name for Christ's sake? And she sends him to his room. He has a bit old. And it, this is a really awkward scene to watch because you're just watching it from Madeline's perspective and Madeline's just kind of like sitting there quietly, just kind of awkward, like, oh, I won't say anything. Nope. Uh, but this does lead to Jane opening up to Madeline and we find out it's the first time she's ever told this story. She's not even told this to her parents or anyone else. And we get the full context, or at least a lot more context, to to the night of the conception, and it is very much sexual assault. Although I did I did notice that she never outright called it that or called it rape. Uh, she never really quite used those words, and I th I think that's also just a you know coping mechanism. I, th I think it maybe ties into kind of Celeste a little bit and the idea of of admitting uh, the trauma that she's been through, and. But she tells the story of how she met him in a bar, they were both kind of in each other, they were kind of drunk, but he changed when they got to a hotel room. Um, and he got very aggressive, pinned her down. And it's, the direction here is fantastic because it, it does this thing where it mostly just shows you the aftermath or the, the pre, the, the, you know, the prelude in the aftermath. But when she sits in the bathroom, like all, you know, the dress is like sort of half torn off her, she's sitting there all kind of, she looks over and she can see it happening on the bed. And it's kind of like her kind of coming to terms in that moment. Because the, the, the final shot of the episode, of course, is her, you know, after walking down the beach, just taking off her dress and just walking into the ocean to, in an effort to cleanse herself, you know, because she feels disgusting, she feels vile, she feels violated. And it's really well shot. You really feel her emotions in the scene. 
uh, and she's describing all this to to Madeline, and she asks, you know, have you have you been to therapy and, and so on, but. So it, it does solidify a couple of things that I've been thinking about, you know, throughout the, the first two episodes is that, you know, is she worried that that Ziggy might be like his father? You know, those, those little fearful moments where he's kind of scary in her dreams, like, is that based on who his father is? It turns out it seems to be. Um, that's why she has a gun in her in her, uh, her dresser and why why she's, she's so terrified of someone. In fact, there's an excellent scene in this episode after this explanation of it seems like someone's breaking in, someone's kicking in the door and smashing in the window, and she can't get the gun out, and she just gets it out in time, and then it turns out no one's there. Nothing, nothing's been at the window. This is just her. This is just her being paranoid and scared. That that this is never quite leaving her, and that's you know that's one of the things that she says to Madeline, is that she thought she was over it. She thought she got past it and moved on with her life and wanted to you know just you know give Ziggy a good life and just leave it at that. But it's never really going to leave her, and I think like her paranoia and her being terrified that some like he might come back someday uh, is a testament to, to, to that statement. And But you feel the fear, you feel the dread. The direction really lets you feel what she feels inside. Um as 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 it should. That's the that's the point, right? That's the point to, is to be able to empathize in a way that you couldn't otherwise. And it is terrifying. It's a scary scene. Um and even even if you because I mean I I pretty much guessed it wasn't real, like almost immediately. But it doesn't matter. Like you still feel the fear, you feel the adrenaline, you feel the rush before before he gets in. So uh, now her stuff was was really uh, big this episode, and you know, and there's a lot of nice little contextual or little, little uh, not contextual but textured like links between things. Like of course we have her who's a victim of sexual assault, and then Celeste who's kind of like denying that she's going through that herself. And not the exact same situation, of course, but a lot of parallels can be made. And then you have the other thing here talking about how like, you know, the father's never around for Ziggy. Like, you know, he's just not there. And that that, you know, ties into a little bit of what Madeline's going through with, you know, Nathan having left her when 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 Abby was young and dealing with like the changes now that now Abby seems to be gravitating towards her father more, and that doesn't feel right. Now, of course, Nathan doesn't seem like he was ever as bad as this this mystery man in in uh, Jane's life, you know, this attacker. But it's definitely bringing up these feelings, and that, that obviously leads into her story this episode. And you know, it's why on the way home from this meeting, Madeline breaks down in the car and starts crying. Is that Abby needs to leave the house? She she has a talk with her guidance counselor, and they call in Madeline. And she tells her that she has to go and live with dad because she feels too pressured being around uh, Madeline. And it's funny because it actually uh, it it, all, it basically proves something I was like theory or talking about last episode. I was talking about how a lot of what the the parents do with their kids is they kind of are using their kids to get through their own their own shit, their own trauma. Uh, you know, to to be successful, to be whatever. In the Madeline's case, it's like, you know, it's I, I want you know she wants her kids to to be successful and. The idea that, you know, partly why she hates Renata is, one, that she's kind of like Renata in a lot of ways, she doesn't want to admit. But two, the idea that she could have had this life, she could have been this successful, but maybe was that that was something that she couldn't get once she, she was left behind with a kid and, you know, no father to help her. So that was maybe a choice that was taken away from her uh, in her life. And I think it's interesting that with Abby, unlike all the other kids, we get someone at an age where we can see the effect of what that maybe does to the kid by the time they get to an age where they're starting to be a bit more adult-like and they're starting to be a bit more mature and think about things. And 
it seems like she's picked up on it she says it in the scene you know sometimes i think you're just you're you're forcing me to be what you wanted to be and not what i necessarily want to be or feel like and no one seems to care what i feel or think that kind of thing you know she, she has a you know, conversation with ed about it she, she talks to madeline here in this scene with the therapist or the, the guidance counselor um and again even like them sitting talking to a guidance counselor nicely mirrors the couple talking to a therapist there's some nice little parallels in some of the setups between the different plot lines this episode and this this is hard for her to hear she doesn't like it and you know abby's leaving there's a, there's a great lot of moment actually when abby's like clearing her room out and she's taking photos off the wall uh where chloe comes in and there's not enough chloe in this episode that's my mom complaint but uh she's like oh chloe you try to get my room and chloe's like yeah can i have it and she's like nah and there's a moment there where it cuts to it cuts to madeline and she gives this little smile and it it was a really nice little human moment because it was basically abby saying that she couldn't have a room implied that she intended on coming back in some capacity and that that like gave her a little happy moment and it was just it was just a little human thing but but you know between everything else and it's just it's it's fascinating to me to kind of explore that even with the best of intentions because I, I don't think madeline some of the other moms have bad intentions for their kids it's, it's not like they're being awful <laughs> uh you know with the intent of harming the children or it's, it's just it's more that they don't realize that putting this pressure on them or or that they're rubbing off on their kids or or whatever and it's just it's kind of the this is the dangers of, of driving your kid away because you do kind of try to live through them essentially uh, and abby's at the age now where you know it's become a parent and she's aware of it and uh you know and maybe this makes things better for chloe maybe madeline will learn things here and treat chloe a little bit differently uh really good laugh in this episode though after the the, the scene with the guidance counselor she's with ed and she's all upset he's hugging her from behind and looking at the ocean because that's what they do a lot in this show uh and she says you know i bet she wouldn't move out if she knew i had cancer and ed says but you don't have cancer and madeline says i'd be willing to get it <laughs> that was a really funny line um it's a funny line but there's some truth in not not in that she's she's willing to have cancer necessarily or maybe that is true but there's truth in this this as much as it's a little joke it kind of shows again how she's willing to kind of almost manipulate things to her own end even though this one is a joke and it's kind of sweet in its own way it kind of does extend from how she thinks about situations uh and you know maybe why she's so heated with renata um because i think her and renata are actually a lot alike uh, they're just you know separated by you know where, where their lives t- took them and that's why they hate each other so much is because they're so alike um and speaking of renata i i love that at the start of the episode when she's talking to her daughter oh pardon me who i i, I thought was annabelle but it turns out it's amabel uh i was like oh was i hearing that right uh but she's really you know she, she's talking to amabel and i was like oh, why is chloe not coming i love that renata phrases it as a conflict she says she has a conflict uh again it's not a word you would use with six-year-olds but that that's kind of the one of the one of the little humorous things i like about this show is is, is how they how, how they apply the adult language to the kids a little bit and she has to explain it and she's yeah, yeah but you know she, she goes groveling and i think this is one of the things that um uh this episode does a little bit to humanize uh, renata a chunk because she 
she phones Madeline basically to grovel and say, hey, can Chloe and the other kids come to the party? Like, I, I will I will send them all to Disneyland. I'll give them VIP passes. I will pay for all of it. I will do all of this stuff very soon. Just, you know, don't <laughs> please don't upset my girl on her birthday. And Madeline, being the spiteful person that she is, is like, nah, <laughs> sorry. And I guess he did again, of course. And uh, she says something like, ah, you know, this, this, you're done in this town. She throws the phone in the water. And, and I think for Renata, there's this like odd realisation. It, it kind of goes back to what uh, her husband Gordon said in the first episode about, you know, like, you know, she, she wants success, but there's a, a d- danger of having too much of it. And, like, I think Renata is, is kind of, like, worried or realising that, like, she is very successful financially and she is very powerful and she can do all these things, but it doesn't necessarily make people like her. And I, I think, you know, she's trying to make people like her and it's not happening. And it kind of leads to the scene where she goes to Gordon's office and says, you know, if I become someone that everyone hates, like, if I, am I someone that no one actually thinks is fun and likes and wants to be around? Because uh, even though it's very endearing how much she wants to fight for her daughter, she again, she does it through money. She does it through just trying to buy her everything uh, and making that, you know, like, don't don't be upset, dear. I'll get you a second clown. I'll get you another big thing at your birthday. I'll get you this. I'll get you that. It's all just buying things. Which, again, if you wanted to do parallels to other plots, it's not, obviously, it's a, a very big difference to this, but just to connect that to Celeste and, and Perry, where Perry's just buying necklaces to make up for things. Again, he's trying to solve solve emotional problems with money, which doesn't work <laughs> well at least not usually it's not healthy and yeah and they, they end up they end up having sex and he's and he's obviously kind of like makes her feel desired and she even says that later on and says oh let's be impulsive let's let's go have sex in the bathroom and what i thought was amusing about this actually because she says oh you know I, you know you want to have sex a lot but you wanted me today you made me feel desired and I actually chuckled a little bit because I'm not entirely convinced that he did because one of the little jokey scenes at the birthday party is all the interviews talking about how uh, Bonnie, uh, Nathan's wife, was dancing at the party and how all the dads were staring and Gordon was clearly staring quite a bit during that scene. So I'm not convinced that he wasn't thinking about Bonnie. Um, it's certainly in my head. Uh, speaking, speaking of Nathan, there's a little bit more of uh, Nathan thinking Ed wants to beat him up and pointing out that he's kind of staring at him because he's, he's trying to make peace with Madeline about Abby moving. He's like, oh, hey, I, I, this wasn't my idea. I didn't talk her into this. This was just her. And Bonnie actually hugs Madeline and says, I, I won't try to take your place as her mother. You, you are her mother. You know that. And she hugs her. And Madeline looks so awkward. You know, her hands just stay down at her sides as Bonnie hugs her. And it's just, it's just, I don't know. It was, it was, it was an amusing scene. But like, it, it, it finds humor in a lot of these things, but obviously there's a lot of darker touches to a lot of it as well. Um, but a lot of, a lot of uh, good character work again in this episode and a lot of emotional because uh, I, I almost think Madeline is going to be more more rearing to go and fight than ever than she has been because of now what's happened with Abby like, this is just going to give her more fuel to, to fight this is going to you know she, she won't back down now from anything I don't think not for a while because of this uh so i'm looking forward to that and it's also worth mentioning they set up the the dance that we saw in the sort of the, the flash forward part of the first episode this audrey hepburn elvis thing that they're they're going to where the murder seems to take place so uh we're building up to that stuff too so no uh so very good episode uh episode three probably the best episode yet um therapy scene was fantastic but there was a lot of great scenes in this one so 
yeah uh, let me know what you think of the episode in the comments below like and subscribe all that stuff get me on the twitters at mailed underscore fuzz for channel updates if you want to support the show and the channel and everything we do here you can head over to patreon.com slash tv where you can support us with lots of dollar and get some bonuses get some extras and some early stuff uh but otherwise that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening i always appreciate it keep watching tv guys have you got any vanilla <laughs>